and welcome to episode 178 of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies for the casual spike. My name is Stanislav, back in Chicago, and with me on the line from Denver, Colorado, it's the one and only Shane Beeps. That was so businesslike, Stanislav. How did it feel to be in the host's chair? I felt powerful. I felt like I was you know, just encapsulating your energy as best I could, Stanislav. Really? <laughs> You don't, you, don't, you don't think so? You don't think I had it? I don't think you had my energy. Mm. We do have some NRG on the show, though. Perhaps you had my nerd rage. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely have rage. Also with us, the godfather, Dave Harbarger. Dave, do you have rage? Rage! Bump, bump, bump. I have rage. Bump, bump, bump. Rage against the machine, and by the machine, I mean four-color Yorian decks. Get f- <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Dave, maybe maybe you should do a cameo on the MTG Rants podcast. They're allowed to say that word. Stanislav, I hope you enjoyed your, your travels. It was it was a wedding, right? That's right. I, I was attending a wedding in Switzerland in the mountains in the Alps. Oh, man. Did you ski? Did you ski down the, the runway, the aisle? Yeah, it was a ski-themed wedding. <laughs> was it? In the summer? Yeah, we were all skiing in the Alps. Um, were you like the dog that has like the brandy around its neck? Yes, and I also had a long fluffy tail. <laughs> but enough about Stan's persona. Yeah, let's talk about this week's show. We're doing a deep dive on some tournaments from the Nerdridge Gaming trials that occurred in Lansing, Indiana over the weekend. Is Lansing in Indiana? It, no, it's no, Michigan. It's, in Michigan. it's Michigan. I know. All the Michiganders out there are... are shaking their fist in the sky so sorry i spend no time in michigan as a proud chicagoan that's your loss really i'm sure it's fine there's there's two axes in in chicago everybody maybe people don't know about this there's two axes of people who live in chicago and have recreation in other places the one axis is the chicago to michigan axis where you go to you go to saugatuck Mm -hmm. you go to beaver island you go to Traverse, you go to New Buffalo. The other axis is the Chicago to Wisconsin axis. Oh, that's right. And that stands at Dells, man. That's the one that ends in the Dells. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I have a timeshare at a water park. Now, I, uh, not the Dells, and also Door County. Not that I, that's what I meant to say. And hey, uh, that's what Madison, I like. Madison, Milwaukee. Yeah. Heck, even Appleton. I am a proud owner of a Wisconsin uh, State Parks uh, badge every year. And that's, that's, that's the side of the, the coin I fall on. It's a great. It's a great badge. And also, being from Ohio, here's what I have to say. Michigan, get f***ed. <laughs> God <laughs> Wow, Dave's, Dave's fiery. Dave got struck by lightning in this thunderstorm we had today. If this is the new direction of the dive down, count me in. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting edgy. Well, we're going to do that while talking about the Nerd Rage Gaming Trials in Lansing, Michigan. There was a modern 10K, there was a Pioneer 5K. Both were very well attended. In fact, the modern event capped. And as the did the Pioneer man, one. Did it? Yep. Okay, yep. cool. So there you go, Nerd Rage. You made your money's worth, I hope. 300 players in modern, 200 players at Pio. And then we're also going to just do a quick check in afterwards on what Pioneer looks like since last week's bannings of Winota and Expressive Iteration. And if time allows, we want to do a quick casual discussion between three friends about four color Yorian decks in modern 
and whether they're too good for the format. Spoiler alert, they might be, but also, spoiler alert, they might not be. That is the question. I think you know how I feel already. It's for us to decide, really. We'll tell Mark and, you know, all those folks over there. Before all that, though, let's housekeep some new patrons this week. Thank you to King Bass of Nil. So maybe it's like King Bass of the Netherlands. It is, in fact, a, a patron from the Netherlands. We have found out through talking with them on the Discord. So hello and thank you. Is it the King of Holland? I believe it is the, the King of Holland, which is one of my favorite uh, Nutramilk Hotel songs. Actually, yes, 100%. The King of Carrot Hollands. I, I saw this like stupid People magazine headline on my news feed recently that the King of Holland ordered his own beer at a bar recently. Hmm. And it was just a picture of him at a bar smiling while holding a beer. Hmm. So there you go. The King of Holland, just like the other guys. Yeah, celebrities, they really are like us. Truly. Also, thanks to Josh for also joining the Dive Down Nation. The name is like weirdly familiar Josh, to me. Josh. Josh S. Josh is a writer for CFB. Assuming it's that Josh. Yeah. Let's hope so. Josh S. Thank you, Josh S. Thank you all. No new increased patrons this week that's okay no new reviews either that's fine too if you'd like to support the show though you can do that over at patreon.com slash the dive down you guys mentioned last week that deck boxes are coming this month or next that's exciting here's hoping we haven't heard anything besides you know since like four weeks ago you can also support us while playing magic with a manager subscription using promo code the dive down 15 get 15 percent off your first two months of renting magic online cards over at mana traders mana traders is probably the most influential sponsor we've had since the beginning of the show because it's pretty much made everything we talk about possible keep up with the meta games using mana traders okay so this week's show is going to be a little different because we are just going to talk about the recent as Stan said off the top, Modern Trials in, at Energy uh, from NerdRage Gaming, the Energy Championship Series in Lansing, Michigan. And uh, we just want to say thank you to, to Energy for uh, having a little conversation with us about co- coverage, but also um, say he- hello to anybody who might have seen our names show up in, bet- in the interstitial graphics between rounds of coverage. If you're new to the Dive Down, welcome. If you were reminded to come back, welcome back. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Dave, I thought the graphic looked great, by the way. That was some good work. I love loved seeing it on the screen every time. Well, let me tell you, if there's one way to make a graphic design career, it's just to use the same graphic over and over again for four years to promote your podcast. It seems, seems to work. Consistency. Here's my question for you, Dave. How did you get the graphic to look so, so beautiful on all screen sizes of television? Because Shane had sent us a photo of him watching the stream on his TV, and it was huge, and it looked sharp and stunning. Using vectors or something? You know, that is, uh, well, years of experience, well. Dan. Years of experience. Also, uh, TVs are DPI? constant. <laughs> TVs are constant resolution. It's only 1920 by 1080. I didn't make it 4K. So uh, if you're watching on your phone, it's the same. It's it's a higher resolution, but it samples. If you're watching on your TV, it's uh, you, you just provide one graphic. You make it 4K? They, they, <laughs> yes. They did not ask us for 4K. Anyway. Thanks to, to Nerd Rage Gaming for letting us kind of do some coverage of this event. Uh, post post coverage, not we weren't on it or anything, but let's talk about the coverage was great. I watched it. I watched the show oh, yeah. this weekend. Good yeah, coverage. Anurag. I, I don't know him, uh, but he's been around a lot lately, and I've definitely enjoyed the last couple of weekends that he's been doing coverage. Yeah, he's 
he's great. Like, I think his energy is so infectious and like, you know, he, he clearly loves the game. He's been doing all the backpack streams that a lot of people I know have been watching and loving. So I think that he's a excellent member of the community and also a great broadcaster. And, you know, we had what we had Doomwake on that was, he did a great job. Um, and Drake Sasser killed it. Uh, I thought everyone was great. Um, it was, you know, it was a great broadcast and very professional, you know, a lot of matches, not too much downtime. It was great that, you know, our, we had an ad there. Perfect. Yeah. And you can't, you also can't forget, of course, Matt Bamonte, who's always, oh, yeah. always there for nerd rage and uh, the people that he gets the chance to talk to as well. with doing the coverage. So, yeah, so if you forgot anybody, uh, forgive us. But yeah, all around, very impressive. So Dave, you want to start with Modern? Modern was a 10K trial. 300 yeah. players, as we mentioned, sold out. And uh, yeah, I think we should just dive in. We've done tables. We've done pivots. We've written opinion pieces about what we think here. <laughs> Some of us have checked the names. Some I, of them I, of I us checked, have not. I checked 64 of the names, okay? I didn't do the whole thing. I wasn't in the mood. But I, th- I think there's. I think the, the normalization of data here is, uh, is better than we have seen in some other tournaments. Like, there's not as many weird names uh, of these decks. I did use some consolidation of, like, various Azorius and you know, four color variants I kind of combined into larger buckets. So first off, I have things to say about that when we get to what I did for pioneer, but you, you go ahead, you go ahead. All right. So what we saw, how many total players? 300. No, it was over. It was 315, 315, 315. It's an arbitrary cap number, but there it is. 315. Yeah. Maybe those 15 people just snuck in. Thanks energy for those 15 people getting them in. So let's look at this overall metagame. There might be a few misses here in terms of like numbers being a little bit off because of the way people try to be sneaky and rename some decks. But hey, people, I have something to say. I'm, I'm, I can't wait on this. Listen, yeah. I, I had to rename a whole bunch of deck lists in the, in the Pioneer side because I looked at all 200 deck lists. Some of you think you're funny and you're not funny. Okay. <laughs> cut it out. I asked last time for people to cut it out using Melee to rename their deck lists. <laughs> I have two people I want to, I have bones to pick with Justin S in pioneer, Justin S name and names. You called your deck four color Winota. It was, is it Phoenix? Justin S changed last minute. I'm frowning at you. Maybe they did. Kevin S these S brothers problematic. Kevin S you called your Pio Millbrew five color Hogak. That got through the filters. I just want you to know, I see you both. Cut it out. <laughs> I have to tell Dave. you, I, I, I looked through this. None, none of the people who had joke names for their decks were in the top 100 of, of any tournaments. So if you're going to mess around with these funny names, you know, maybe you should go take an improv class or something instead, instead of, you know what I mean? Like instead of losing at magic. Yeah. Just don't, uh, man, we're going to, we're going to really turn off all of our new listeners, but I think they, I li- they're coming for the energy. Yeah. I like the, I like the attitude here, Dave. I like big attitude. This is like, you know, WWE heel turn day. If I like it, <laughs> it's big. It's attitude era dive down. So let's talk about the overall meta here. Back to okay? modern. Yeah. Let's talk about the overall meta. This is again, data is moderately checked here. So I'm going to try to do maybe deck counts and percentages. So Dave doesn't yell at me or he's like, Shane, people don't understand how many decks that is. We have, is it Merktide? 41 decks or 13% of the meta four Ooh. color blank featuring Yorian 20 decks or 6.3 percent so we went from 41 to 20 uh so then we start getting into a bunch of teens following this okay amulet titan 19 copies six percent living end 18 copies four color elementals 
sometimes featuring Yorian, sometimes featuring Kahira, 18 copies. Those are both 5.75%. Mm-hmm. Grixis Death Shadow at 15 copies, about 4.8. Azorius Hammer at 15, 4.8. Golgari Yogmoth at 13 copies, 4%. Azorius <laughs> Control featuring Kahira, 11 copies, 3.5%. Teamer Rhinos all the way down at 2.56% are 8 decks, along with Burn with 8 decks. Regular old Jun, probably some Sagas in there. Seven copies or 2.2%. And then Mono Green Tron, the the ultimate Jund foil, <laughs> always uh, seven copies as well. And wow. then less less than 2% is where I made my arbitrary uh, other cutoff. And that was 115 decks or 36% of the field were uh, six copies or fewer. Nice. So there's our overall meta. I guess before we start getting into the, the deets on like top 64 and stuff like that and get into kind of the how these decks performed over the weekend. Any general thoughts, broad strokes about the metagame here? Merktide's popular. Still. I mean, for me, I think Amulet Titan being at 19 copies, like the third most popular deck, was mildly surprising. That's a huge surprise to me, for sure. I don't, Merktide being 40 decks is not super surprising to me, or being the, the biggest deck is not super surprising to me, but being almost double the next deck is, is pretty surprising to me when you get up to 40 numbers. That's a lot. But yeah, Amulet Titan at the third most popular deck certainly stood out to me quite a bit yeah. as, a, as a surprise. Now, it is paper, you yep. know, and uh, Michigan's a known Titan meta. Yeah, known so, Titan uh, meta. Yeah, so I think that, uh, yeah, a lot of trees, a lot of green stuff to use, a lot of Garen Briggs. Um, Garen Briggs, lovely in July. And the that that was a big surprise. And then also the rhinos being quite so down the list yeah, is, exactly. is kind of a surprise to me, too. Mm-hmm. It looks like a real people's meta to me. Do you know what I mean? In terms of like, here's one pretty high percentage deck but it's only 13 like we've seen meta games where like a, a standout deck is like at 19 or 20 percent of the meta right so starting at 13 and then immediately dropping to like an, a large handful like 10 or 11 decks between two and six percent is is pretty decent i think and just just in terms of representation alone yeah first of all that's exactly what you said last week about dallas <laughs> you called that yeah. a people's meta too it's real people's meta I mean, that's... I'm glad you listened. Maybe I I never miss an episode that I'm not on. I wonder if that's just like modern, if we're just kind of acknowledging. And I think you did that, right? You kind of just acknowledged like my modern rules because of stuff like this. I mean, Um, it's an aspect of modern ruling is that people can bring variety of decks. Yes. I I, I don't know if we're going to talk about like actual win rates. Oh, we are. I feel like Amulet being the third most popular deck in a room where Merktide is the single most popular deck it probably spells bad news for all those titan players yeah, yeah. it's a pretty good matchup for for Murktide. very good very good i would i would say <laughs> but i mean this is cool i i mean these are the decks that we know and that we love and that are modern right now and people have their complicated feelings about modern that we'll get into later you know there's been a lot of a lot of chirping on twitter this week about what people think about modern it's been a, a growing crescendo over the last week i would even say but um i would say that this set of decks didn't do anything to i think change the discussion in a different direction about where modern is anyway yeah so let's get into the top 64 we can kind of get in the weeds on how these decks kind of showed up and and converted so to speak sort of the day two what's interesting about the top 64 is it actually exactly equaled six and three or better so it worked out nicely where it not, it not only sounds nice top 64 but it ended up being uh, an actual kind of i think 
probably what you need needed to. Uh, I guess there was no actual day two besides the the top eight. But in terms of if if there was, then anyway. So our top sixty four looked like this: eleven copies or seventeen percent four color blink featuring Yorian. So that went up from six percent to seventeen percent. Yeah. So what you're telling me is half of the the Yorian blink decks were in the top sixty four. Yes, I'll have some even even more details about how well four color decks did in the top thirty two and beyond. Great, love it. Later on, Living End was next up with six copies or nine point three percent. So they went from five point seven five to nine point four. Is it Merktide? Five copies in the Ooh. top sixty four. So falling from thirteen uh, percent to seven point eight percent. So it's not. You know, it's not dramatic, but to start with 40 copies, end up with, with five, not amazing. Then we have Azorius Hammer, which started at 15 and ended at five in the top 64 for 7.8%. Golgari Yogmoth had four copies, 6.2. Four Color Elementals, featuring Kira or Yorian, also had four copies or 6.25%. Teamer Rhinos, three copies or 4.69%, so three of the eight there. Four color elementals featuring Yorian. Oh, excuse me. So I actually messed up my data normalization here. We've got four copies of four color elementals featuring Kahira, and then three copies of four color elementals featuring Yorian. So we could probably actually make that a combined seven copies or about 10% of the overall meta where the elementals versions of the four color decks. And again, half of close to half of the, the number of four color elementals decks that there were seven out of 18, basically. Yeah. Wild. And then we have Azorius Affinity. Those are like the Urza Affinity decks. Three copies in the top 64. And then two copies of Grixis Death Shadow. So two of the 15 uh, made it into the top 64. And those are all ones I actually looked at the deck list. And, you know, it's as close as I can get it. And then other of the top 64 were 18 decks or about 28% were one copy or fewer. Just singletons in our top 64. So that's pretty cool. Very so we they, then again those started at like thirty six percent sort of the other category, and it did twenty six. So it's not like the the rogue, quote unquote decks uh, fell off that badly. Yeah, it's interesting that the rogues didn't fall off too badly. You know, they lost eight percent of their share between the broad field and the the top meta. So that means that some of the decks that were meta decks were the ones that really fell off, right? Yeah, I think. You know, Amulet Titan, you might have noticed it's not even on that list. Maybe there's Oof. like a singleton there. So, yeah, there's no Amulet Titan on this, th- this list. There's no burn on this list. Now, that doesn't mean that there wasn't one necessarily, but it does mean that there wasn't two in the top 64. I, I think what we could do is actually sort of break these. I want to talk a little bit about each of these decks. Like, I don't think we have much to say about all of them, but I think in terms of we can look at the win rates that these decks had across the entire weekend, uh, mostly just on Saturday, of course. But And then we can kind of talk about, I think, what the good decks were, the average-ish decks were, and then what kind of the bad decks were, at least this weekend. And so let's start with the good decks. And I think the, the biggest one out there were the four-color blink and the four-color elementals decks. So these had... You know, 20 copies over 6% of the field. These, the four color blink decks uh, had, you know, that was with just the four color blink alone, not including elementals, still put up a 60% win rate nearly across 170 matches on the weekend. 
and four color elementals variants had 18 copies in the field and a 61.6% win rate across 146 matches, even better than the four color blink counterpart. That is monstrous. By far the best two performing decks in the field. Uh, two copies even made the final spoilers uh, there. And four color decks were really the talk of Twitch chat. Don't read the chat um, all weekend <laughs> for, for better or worse. But I think we'll want to revisit the four color topic in a little bit and not kind of talk about that too much right now. But yeah, that's kind of eye-poppingly large win rates. When we see decks in the high 50s is when we've, you know, consistently in the high 50s is when we kind of take notice and be like, something's going to happen here. So to be at 60 and like 62%, pretty impressive, especially with the number of copies in the field where, you know, there's a number of mirror matches. I'm sure these people faced, they, uh, you know, there, it wasn't just one person spiking or a few or a handful of people spiking. This is a, a large number of people across a large number of matches. Let's call it foreshadowing and move on to other, yes. other, other decks for now. All right. So Azorius Hammer, 15 copies in the field, as I mentioned, and it performed at a 55% win rate, which I think is a little bit of a surprise, maybe. I feel like, you know, Hammer has seemed like it's taken a pretty big fall since Luris ban, uh, but it's, you know, it had good representation here and still performed well. I think it's a deck that can pressure opponents in ways that no other deck in the format really can right now. And you're going to, and, and it offers ways to outplay your opponent simultaneously. So I think a deck like that, you know, we, people have called that the new infect. And I think that that infect back in the day was a deck that could do things like that as well. And I think hammer is still allowing pilots to do things like that. You know, we had a citizen of the dive down nation, uh, Daryl, did quite well. He was on uh, coverage this weekend and, you know, lost to an, another citizen in Jesse. And so congratulations to both of them for getting on coverage and going way deep in the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Daryl came in 12th. Jesse was the first seed coming out of the Swiss. We'll get back to that again later when we talk about the top eight. But yeah, Daryl had quite a weekend as well. So uh, congrats to, to him. Uh, but yeah, Hammer, I I can't believe that it's still around, I guess, in, in some senses. I mean, I know it's there. It, it keeps showing up with these performances. I guess that this is this was just less affected by the Luris band than we kind of thought it would be. You know, it's still, it just loses a bit of its kind of later game plan. So maybe it's not as broken slash dominant as it was when Luris was around, but it hasn't had the same kind of fall off as, for example, uh, Grixis Death Shadow or straight up Red Black Rock or something like that has without Luris. Um, you know, the black, the decks that are more based on black than white. Yeah, I wonder if that's just because Hammer is sort of in its spirit a pseudo combo deck, and as long as it can still assemble the combo, it can be a real competitor in the metagame, whereas shadow was just doing like aggro mid-range stuff and it doesn't have a combo to lean on when it has to go long the way that uh that that hammer does yeah yeah i think so i mean it has one of the best proactive plans in modern right like that that's hammers hammers thing and so um that's how it works and it's plan it, it's less resilient but the plan still works very well so yeah i mean it still is one of the the decks in the format that can take advantage of Urza's saga super well in a number yeah. of ways. Like it's, it offer, it still offers a certain type of inevitability. Like, Hey, I'm going to get a hammer here. And if you're running out of interaction for this, then I'm going to get this on my creature. Yeah. There's basically two decks in this top 64 that have, have Urza saga 
And one of them is Hammer, and the other one is Azorius Affinity, which is a deck that we've talked about here and there lately. But um, certainly Hammer's better known and better set up to really, really exploit that card as part of a powerful combo. I guess, um, you know, I'm, I, don't wanna, I don't want to discount Titan, but Titan's not really in this top 64, as you mentioned. <laughs> yeah, not so. really. And then uh, third, third and last in our good decks, which is mildly surprising we had three decks with like over like a 50 52 percent win rate and that was teamer rhinos which had a 56.6 percent win rate uh only again eight copies or about two and a half percent of the meta but still the pilot said well that feels like what i expect out of teamer rhinos where it's sort of just like this is a a known good deck and pilots who want to play it are going to likely do pretty well with it unless opponents are really trying to metagame against it because it just offers that that type of game plan, right, Sam? Absolutely. I think it also helps that it's somewhat configurable and they can occasionally predict the metagames where you want to play main deck endurance or you want to play something more grindy like a seasoned pyromancer um, or even maybe something to to take on whatever the perceived top dog, of, top dog of the tournament is. And I think a lot of Rhinos players are leaning on endurance right now, which is pretty good against Merktide in particular. Yeah, that would uh, make sense given the numbers we're seeing in these paper events. So before we move on to kind of the averages decks, it's just, it's a bit surprising to me that looking at these win rates, we only really had, you know, three, 3.5-ish if you want to, or four, if you want to consider the, the four color decks substantially different, uh, decks that did pretty well and everything else kind of ended up pretty average or, or not so great and that's that's interesting to me just because it's 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 consolidating and we've i think we've had conversations like this in the past where it's like hey we're not seeing a ton of decks that are overperforming i'm just trying to total up quickly how much of the metagame that is really so it's six percent plus six percent let's say so that's twelve percent plus five percent seventeen percent plus uh, so it's around twenty percent. It's around twenty percent of the metagame that has that fits into these these win rates that you're talking about, Shane. Yeah. So it's interesting. It a little bit more. You'd think it'd be like half half the metagame, perhaps. Half the metagame. Well, half the metagame can't be better than fifty percent, right? Because I mean, all all the decks lose, know. right? So yeah. So like half should be good, half should be bad, but we're not seeing that. We're seeing a consolidation of like goodness in a smaller number of archetypes. Extreme goodness. Yeah. So let's talk about these average decks. And again, we're not going to get in the weeds on these too much, but we have, is it Merktide? Even though it's the most represented deck by far, 13% of the overall meta again, the deck only performed at 47%. And again, it was only 8% of the top uh, 64 meta. So yeah, I mean, Merktide is one of those decks where I guess personally, I feel like it's it can, it can be metagamed against, it could have a lot of mirror matches because it's the most popular deck in the field. You're going to have to know how to outplay your opponent in that. Is it just Jund now? Is Murktide Jund? I mean, isn't four-color Jund? But just people love it so much that they're going to bring it out, even if it's starting to do poorly. And um, people just love playing a deck with Counterspell, Lightning Bolt, and Ragavan in it, and they want to. Yeah. that's what they want to bring. And Devil Spells? I, I kind of think part of what happened was so many people brought it out that that's what lowered the win rate of it and kind of revealed that it's not an egregiously broken deck. It's just like, it's still doing well on the weekends online. And this being one tournament where a bunch of paper players brought it out that maybe are less experienced with it. Maybe they suffered in a field where the four color players or the Rhino players or, you know, whatever other matchups they had were, were more prepared against a Merc tide heavy field. 
I mean, I think this is a pattern that's really consistent that we've seen. Yeah. Right. Murktide is almost always the biggest deck. It's in every every tournament that we've we've covered lately. And the win rate is always between 51 and 48%. Like that's that's what this is. And p- people can win with it, right? Individual players can. There were two, not to spoil anything, but there were two Murktide decks in the top eight out of the 40. So even though they didn't place very well in the top 64, they they did make it into into the top eight. And uh, once you're in the in the top eight, you know, kind of anything can happen. Stan, would you, if you were going to go to a big tournament, would you be going with Murktide or would you be going with one of the other decks in your arsenal right now, do you think? Um, I would likely be going with Murktide, though. Not Rhinos, really. Yeah, I just, I've been really liking Murktide lately. And and likewise, I actually have all of Four Color Blink, except for like Abundant Growths. Whoa. So maybe I would just like try to score some Abundant Growths. But, you know. I'm way less experienced with that and kind of just know what I'm doing with Murktide. I've been playing it for a year. I mean, MH2 has been out for a year and I got my monkeys really quickly and have been on and off that deck ever since. Stan getting his monkeys out. We've got Living End at 52%. I don't have much to say about Living End. Um, I'm not experienced pilot with it. I don't know when it's great or when it's not. I guess one thing I I would say... I, I think you can figure out when it's not great. Yeah, when there's a lot of graveyard hate. When I think, I feel like pe- playing it into a heavy Murktide meta game where people might be gunning against the graveyard a little bit harder might feel like where I don't want to be. But I don't really know how much splash hate it gets. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this is the this is the the quality content you come to the dive down for. But yeah, it did it did fifty two percent win rate. Golgari Yogmoth, kind of a mediocre weekend for Yog, 50.6%. Um, so yeah, people, again, this could be like a graveyard thing. It could be that people have been seeing a lot of Yogmoth pop up. They had a plan against it. They were maybe more experienced playing against it. Or it just, you know, it didn't do what it wanted to do and ended up about 50.5%. Jund, 52%, a very Jundy performance for Jund. Junded it out. And then Mono Green Tron, 50%, a very Tron-y performance. I can't believe you have the guts to put Tron in here as, as 50, an average 50. deck. 50 is average, Dave. True. That's the Didn't most come average. close. No Tron decks in the top 64, though. Yeah. There's an Eldrazi Tron one that I'm looking through here, but I don't think there's any actual Green Tron. I mean, all we're talking about is win rate here, Dave. Mono Green Tron was 50%. I mean, what, I guess a question I have for... Oh, wait. Yeah. I'm so I'm so sorry. There was a Tron deck in the top four, in the top eight. Yeah, Nathaniel was, Wilson. My yeah. bad. Man. Man, my whole top eight is spoiled now. You want to get into the bad decks? Because I sure do. Of course you do. <laughs> There's nothing you love more than talking about a bad deck. Oh man. So the first of the bad decks, and I'm not saying that these decks are bad, I'm saying that they performed poorly this weekend, which makes them bad. Amulet <laughs> Titan, uh, kind of the worst performance of the weekend. Uh, it was the third most represented deck at the event, but had a 39.3% win rate. And what's surprising to me is I think sometimes we can try to point to, hey, uh, Shane was going to this paper event and he was like, well, I guess I should play isn't Merktide or something and I'm terrible at it and I underperformed. But like Titan is like an enthusiast deck to me. Like it's not like people are just like, grabbing titan for like this one weekend it's like titan's always always the player across from you who's like making their game actions really really quickly and confidently and you're like i assume that's legal because you act like you know what you're doing and 
So yeah, 39.3% for the Titan players. It's hard for a Titan player out there. I think it's all the Merc Tide. I mean, just like dealing with Unholy Heats is good against both of the good creatures. Four Colors probably also a pretty difficult matchup. And if, if, if the Titan player doesn't have an early Cavern of Souls, just like Merc Tide is running seven, if not eight, main deck counterspells now, and just that adds up. That plus Monkey Beats. Plus, they sometimes run subtlety, which can get around. That can get around uh, cavern, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes they run subtlety, but those are t- tend to be just like a one or two of in the sideboard. In fact, they're not even running so many blood moons anymore. A lot of them are cutting blood moon entirely. But I have been seeing more Murktide lists play at least one main deck dress down, and then like w- frequently they'll run one or two in the sideboard as well. And that's another really great option against. Um, primeval Titan decks in general. Yeah. Hey, remember when Aethergust was the best card a, card a deck like that could draw against Titan? And now now we have something as powerful as Dress Down that draws you a card and is good against a lot of other decks. So Sweet. I'm, I'm, I'm fine living in a world where Titans are 40%. I don't have to deal with it as much. But we have Grixis Shadow up next, just under 45%. Uh, has, you know, Grixis Shadow has been showing up, right? Shadow's getting weird. Shadow's getting weird in the same way that that uh, it's worth mentioning that Murktide is getting a little weird in that they're actually starting to cut dragons. Some of them are starting to cut Dragon's Rage Channeler. Yeah, Tight, uh, Shadow's not doing it as much as Murktide seems to be in favor of Ledger Shredder. And so there has been like a resurgence of Shadow online. I think it came in a canister won an event recently, I think, with with Shadow, with Ledger Shredder. Um, I've seen some other people placing well, but yeah, it did not do well in this tournament for sure. But um, yeah, this seems to be your home in modern for, for Ledger Shredder uh, at the moment. This, this in Murktide anyway. Word. We've got Azorius Control, another really bad performance in the weekend that the pilots only had a 33.3% win rate. Again, there were 11 copies uh, at the start of the day, so it didn't do particularly well that's a lot of control that's more control than i would more azorius than i would expect these days people love azorius control yeah they love foiled to fairies and last in our bad decks bucket is burn and you know it's 41 percent. and this is i mean as much as of a burn pilot as i like to be sometimes this is like the kind of subpar performance that we just keep seeing from burn honestly when we're just kind of looking at large piles of paper data and i it's just a little bit discouraging to me but i just don't really see what upside burn is offering most pilots right now like unless you're expecting like murktide levels of golgari yogmoth right where it's like yeah there's gonna be 13% 13% of the field on Yogg, and I can try to, you know, target those folks or something like that. But yeah, Burn's just not astounding, I think, right now. Yeah. I wish I, it was. I think it's just one of those things that will always be around. People have it, they'll bring it out to tournaments, but it yeah. seems like modern for the moment has kind of passed Burn by as far as power level goes. Shane will audible it till to it last minute because he's like, Well, I don't know how I feel about Yogmoth. Um, so let's, I mean, it, let's, com- it comes up sometimes, right? And you see five O's from it. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not terrible. I just feel like the aggregate data is not indicating that it's like the strongest choice in the blind right now. I think. Exactly. I mean, I, I think the four color matchup is, is the, a huge problem. Right <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. It's really yeah. bad. 
the Omnath matchup. Although I've heard people say that it's that it's not that bad. I've heard four color players say that it's not, you know, it's not that easy to beat burn with four color even. I don't know. It feels like having a creature that repeatedly gains four for you uh, would be kind of tough to surmount as as burn, but what do I oh, know? Yeah, it sure can be. So let's talk about our top eight pretty quickly after that. We've got Jesse Robkin out there yet again, an eight and one finish on four color blank featuring Yorian. Second place, these are all the Swiss placements. Daniel Warden, is it Murktide, seven oh and two. Nicholas Bradley on Is It Murktide, seven oh and two. Nathaniel Wilson on Mono Green Tron, my friend Nathaniel, seven oh and two. Zach Allen, friend of the pod, on four color blank featuring Yorian, seven one and one. Sam Kripowicz on Living End, 7-1-1. Josh Warsaw on Four Color Blank featuring Orion, 7-1-1. And then finally in eighth place, Max Hirsch on Azorius Hammer, 7-1-1. So, this top eight. <laughs> we see... Love uh, it or leave it. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, what? We've got a couple of Murktides, as Dave mentioned. We have, what, three variants of Four Color decks. I mean, they're all actually the Blink decks, not the Elementals decks. Then we have a Cascade deck, and then a Hammer deck, and then somehow a Tron pilot who won seven, won seven in a row and then drew into the top eight. So that's smart and good. I mean, mostly what I'm taking a look at here is to see if there's any particular tech that any of these decks are running that's interesting compared to other you know, versions of the deck. Sure. And um, I mean, the most interesting thing that I see is, is one thing is Zach Allen has an Emrakul the Promised End main deck in yeah. his build of four color blink seems pretty good in the mirror. I think, is that kind of what that's for? We think, I don't, I don't know, but it seems, seems like a good kind of like over the top, over the top card. It's, it's just, it's really good against not just blank, but control in general. One time I was doing a, a coaching session with Dom where I was playing four color and if I had an Emrakul in my sideboard and I was like talking about everything I was going to try to do I didn't even mention the Emrakul and Dom's like, well, yeah, you're definitely going to want to bring in the Emrakul into this mirror match because that's exactly what it's there for. There you go. So going for it, main might help Zach out in the Swiss. Other than that, Jesse's list and John Warsaw's list both look, you know, within the constraints of what you would expect for four color at this point in time. Yeah. Nothing too out of the ordinary there. I like the Tron deck here. It's uh you know, it's it's very solid. It has like main deck Thrag Tusk. It has a couple walking ballista main, just the usual suite of the planeswalkers and you know the good wish board. It's not trying to do anything too spicy or strange here. So I'm all for it. If, if you're gonna play Tron, just play this list. That's my opinion. So our, our finals were Josh Warsaw in a mirror match against Zach Allen with the four color blank featuring Yorian decks and josh warsaw took it down in three games so congrats congrats josh on on the big win here so one of the biggest points of of conversation on the twitch chat which was the state of the four color piles in modern where like were they too good what should be banned and so on like the four color decks clearly were over performers this weekend right and they've been consistently killing it on like every stage we've seen like for reference seven of the top 32 decks or elementals or blink decks on Sunday's challenge. And then eight of the top 32 were on Saturday's challenge. 12 of the top 32 at the NRG series were four color decks and eight of the top 16 were four color, four color variants. 
eight of the top 16. So five of the, of nine through 16 were four color. Wow. Yeah. So there's a lot of four color. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to try not to repeat too many points that like Lee McLeod and CCR over on MTG Grindcast made the other week. They had a good episode about the state of modern. And one of their primary contentions was that four color especially was like just too good at using all of the powerful spells, elementals, planeswalkers, kind of at any point during the game with essentially no real downside, and this incredible catch-up ability uh, that these decks offer. And I wanted to get your two takes on four-color in the metagame right now. Like, have Has it been iterated upon to where it's potentially too good, or are people just not trying to fight it strongly enough? That's kind of the, the, the things that pop into my mind immediately. Well, the iteration has been pretty subtle, right? Like, it's kind of just... The scale of the iteration is just sort of breaking it into two decks, an Elementals version and then the Blinky controlling version. And even those two decks, like, just are more similar than they are different. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting to see Modern get back here again, because you may remember, like, it kind of feels like every, I don't know, 15, 18 months, we end up back in a spot where four color is kind of too good, right? Where this is what led to Field of the Dead getting banned and what led to Arkham's Astrolabe getting banned. And, you know, and that's been a couple of years now or a year and a half at least. And now with the even the powered up version of Modern Now post Modern Horizons 2 with all your pitch elementals and all those other cards that have really made this, the whole format more powerful, but this deck as well, it's kind of back, but it kind of still to me feels like the same deck from from that time too, where it's just like, okay, well, we have Abundant Growth instead of Astrolabe, as Stan mentioned, and, and now we're kind of back at this spot where like, okay, there's just a deck that's too efficient at running all the answers. The, I'll say, just to like cut to the core answer here i do think that there are lots of indications that this deck is too good for the format yes that's question number one i think is my answer is that it might be is that i do think it's probably time to do something about it but do you guys think it's too good Uh, it's 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 really hard for me because it's like it is a it's a pile it's like money pile is not just a a clever name about how much you spent on the deck. It's literally just a, a pile of very good cards that have color synergies and they can they can be four color and they work together at many, many different points during the game. And so it's like a really amazing mid-range deck and you generate so much value out of all of your cards that uh, you just overrun the value that anyone else can possibly create, right? And uh, so other people are relying on uh, you know syner- synergies between their cards, and you don't really need to because your cards are inherently high value. And then as you progress the game and then you get to cast Yorian or something like that, then you get more value out of them yet again. And so the, what you're able to do without necessarily having to do it in the right order or you know have a, a game plan that relies on, well, I'm going to do this into this into this, that's just that's something. Yes, but core answer, Shane. All that set aside, and not even not even saying how do we solve it. I just want to know: is it too good? It's probably too good. Stan, gut. My honest gut is that I'm going to do a little bit of a long-winded response, like Shane does, and please. Hopefully, it helps answer your question. 
My gut is that decks, sort of on principle, cannot be too good, but individual cards can be. Okay. And I think the issue with four color is that you have so many of these cards that individually are really pushed and powerful yeah. that, that can fit together in a single strategy. And the and, and as I see it, like wizards and modern as a format got itself into this really difficult situation where the problem are the conditions that allow for a deck like this to exist. Yes, you took the words out of my mouth. Like that's what I was thinking too. Fair. Yeah. So so I I, I think the format's too good. And and <laughs> some of these cards are are potentially too good. And the fact that they can all exist together is is I think going to become a situation that needs to be addressed. Yeah. I wanted to kind of quickly look at a few of the potential like big issue cards here. And I'm not saying we should like say which one should be banned. I do think that we should talk about one other dimension before we get here. And that is with paper play returning to, to magic, we should talk about the fact that people hate playing this deck in paper. (laughs) Am I right? They hate playing it. I've played it online. It sucks online too. They hate playing against it. Yeah. I've never seen people complain so much about having to, uh, you know, all the shuffling and fetching and playing lands and just going to time all the time and being in the draw bracket and all kinds of stuff that happens as a result of the way that this deck works. Do you think that that's a legitimate concern with this deck as far as considering taking action against it as well? Or does that not matter to you? I mean, I will say that the data shows that there were only eight draws out of uh, 120, 120 something ish matches from like the blink deck and like what uh, five draws. No, there's almost as many draws from the Azorius control decks. Uh, and there's a ton fewer pilots. I think so. I think well, in terms most of, that, of the Yorian ones were probably intentional draws too. Yes, worth, and that worth noting. So it's like, yeah, I think that um, it's not particularly. I think that that might be overstated. I think people who play it either going to have people who scoop against them more readily, or they're going to get fast enough where they're just going to you know get actually get the job done. Okay, but yeah, I mean, I think it's this is definitely an issue in terms of like just enjoyment of magic. And like, if you continually are going to time, then that's something that, you know, you might want to actually think about. So Ren and six. Starting with the hardest one to talk about. Okay. I mean, well, I mean, it's just, it's, it's cheap creature interaction early ensures you're hitting your land drops as soon as, as like soon as turn three, uh, it's, you're hitting your colors that way as well because of the land. Like, I think this could be seen as like public enemy number one. Or it's just so efficient, it gets immediately out of interaction range, both Bolt and Unholy Heat, unless it's uh, you have Delirium, and early on you're not going to, almost certainly. It nets you card advantage, it lets you play an absurd land mana base. I don't think this is public enemy number one, oh, to be honest. I, can, can I, I say, know, I, I almost want us to all put in our vote for what we think public enemy okay. number one is, because we okay. might all have different answers. Okay, well, let's, okay let's keep going then. Uh, abundant Growth. This is Arkham's Astrolabe, but it's legal. Right. It's not an artifact, but we're not living in a world where like we're doing Mox Opal, like artifact affinity type things. Like it's just doing Arkham's Astrolabe things in this deck. It can be blinked for more card advantage. It's just all it is is one mana, draw a card, make your land, make other colors. Literally the same thing. Yeah. I mean, like, oh yeah, well, land destruction hits it. Well, yeah, okay, that's fine. I get it. Um, my, my disenchants hit it. That's what I'm going to use my disenchant on is, is abundant growth. Omnath. 
uh, incredible catch up and go over the top mechanics tabled onto this card. It combines with Ren and Six, the you know the fetch landry grabbing really well. It pitches to all your elementals. It's like the Swiss Army knife of the deck. We have the elementals, of course, Fury and Solitude, kind of the biggest defenders in this deck. Usually, in terms of just well, that's doing something really good we've got endurance there as well uh they're good early they're better late they're flickerable and protectable with ephemerate for for the value those are kind of the big cards that i wanted to think about of course there's teferi three but that's just sort of a feature of modern at this point right like the teferi three existence yeah you missed a huge card on this list well please i mean that's that's why we're a podcast and not the shane show yeah (laughs) You didn't mention that show. You didn't mention Yorian. Yeah. Oh yeah. On this want, list. I didn't want which, to. Well, I think you should. I yeah, mean, personally, right. I think that Yorian is probably the, the place that tactically you would start with making changes to this, this deck. If you were managing modern as a format, um, honestly, I think that that's a huge part of this and that seeing that Luris is gone, people complain about when Luris was gone, that Yorian would get too powerful I think everybody deep down kind of felt like that was probably true as much as we tried to pretend like it wasn't for a little bit there. And then now it's come to pass. And I, I don't see how you start talking about banning any cards in this deck without saying that Yorian has to go and just continue to fix the uh, bad timeline that we're in. Thanks to companions. So Dave, I yeah. agree that Yorian is like the easiest solution not only because it helps enable so much of what this deck makes pop possible, but just we have this precedent now that companions were too strong. They changed the rules. They had to ban Luris, like getting rid of Yurian. I don't think anyone would really blink at that. Right. But I don't think that necessarily solves the problem that this deck capitalizes on, which is the resources that make it possible to play like chonky Jund four color chunky junt don't go away. Like right. in theory, you can make this a 60 card deck and still play Omnath and abundant growths and triomes and Renin six. You wouldn't you just have, you, you just wouldn't have, play abundant growth anymore sure. though. No way. Fine. Yeah. Fine. But like Renin six plus triomes is still an issue. Correct. And I, I think like Omnath is still kind of an issue. And that's why I don't know if one card takes this deck down like that so like what they could ban one card and maybe level off this deck a little bit but i still think it remains a good deck and maybe that's kind of the best we can hope for at this point is to just like make keep it in tier one and just keep it good unless we really want a massive format reset i i don't think there's any reason to completely re-sculpt the the format completely you know what i mean like i don't think this deck needs to be nuked from orbit as (laughs) people say it's not it's not a combo deck that's never going to be fixed. You know what I mean? I, I do think that um, it needs some percentage points taken off the top. Let's figure out a way to do that. Now, I would love to hear what card you think you would start with, Stan, although I, I feel like you might have given us a hint. I think Yorion is, is the easy one. Like I said, Renin 6 is probably the best long-term solution for yeah. the format. Yeah. Be- because I think it helps enable so much greedy mana. I don't know, like the Dark Horse is just like, can we really, can we look at Triomes? No. Like, (sighs) I I mean, hear me out, hear me out, hear Uh me out. We banned the Artifact Lands. Yeah, but that was during like Affinity Days where like, you know. But they're still banned. Like they would still be insane if we unbanned them now. Yes, it would be good. 
I mean, that that's a tough one. I mean, Ren and Six is like banning the triumphs is is like saying, uh, man, I'm trying to think of a, an apt metaphor, but I think like banning the triumphs over like banning Ren and Six is like is not where I would go. You know what I mean? Like taking away people's ability to play like a, a three or four color deck that like can't capitalize on like the fetch land Renin six interaction, I think is almost like, well, why are we clutching the pearl of Renin six in this world? Yeah. Like, it's like, this is a clearly hyper pushed card from modern horizons. One, three words. Yeah. Double, Some double masters. Cost. That's why. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I'm, I'm stealing, Carson. This is, I'm stealing this from straight out of Grindcast. but like, remember when they banned Mox Opal? That was like reprinted, like really close to that, like incredibly close to the. What reprint. was it reprinted in? It was reprinted something. But it it was, was reprinted in in Modern Masters 2015. No, it was reprinted after that. It was. I swear. Let's look on Scryfall right now. I don't think type so. Type 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 type. I don't think there's any way that they've banned Brennan Six. It's a flagship card of Modern. I don't think. I mean, so I don't know. Possible. Dude, it's banned in Legacy. Well, that's that's why I feel like they're not going to do that. Mox Opal Maybe was just in Double Masters, David. It was in Double Masters. Yes. Okay. So. Okay. Okay. We. I mean, that's that's mm. even perfect. That's even more perfect. A Double Masters ban. Wow. Anybody want to buy a playset of Ren and Sixes that I just completed? Yeah, you just don't want to buy the way. Ban. Okay, but anyway, I mean. I actually think, for what it's worth, we don't have to go on and on about this forever. Yeah. I think there's a chance that they're going to ban uh, Omnath and Yorian. That's what I think is maybe going to happen. But and, and I think that would be a step in a, a good direction, just because Omnath, other than Yorian, is probably the card that produces the single most value individually. With Renan 6, like, maybe tied for first or in a very, very close second. They just provide very different types of advantage and and Red and Six is just kind of like keeps your resource game in check, whereas Omnath is just like how you're going to spend all of your resources to eventually win. Yeah, deck's very good. I wouldn't be surprised if this continues to be the case if we don't start seeing uh, some kind of action. We saw Luris get banned. I think that there's nothing particularly you know precious about Yorian that would make it not get banned as well. So Skybird, I think your days may be numbered, and then we see how it goes from there. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it started with just Skyward. Okay. okay. And sorry to people who really love playing this deck, but the pros found your deck. They've optimized it, and now it's 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 on the way out, I think. <laughs> so uh, that's enough time, I think, on Modern. Let's yep. head into a quick little uh, ad break, and uh, we'll see you in a minute. Guys, I got to tell you a quick little anecdote from my travels. Yeah. The the thing with wet shaving is that you have to bring up, you know, you got to use a brush yeah. for your soap. Yeah. You got to use this jar of soap. Yeah. I You don't necessarily have to use any specific types of razors. I happen to be using a safety razor these days, um, which requires like some additional <laughs> accoutrements, protective measures, like a special sleeve. So, for the sake of convenience and keeping all of my toiletries in a single toiletries bag, I ditched my barrister and man stuff, <sighs> and I just I, I just packed a, a disposable razor with me. Yeah, and it was horrible. It's just hard to go back. Yeah, I mean, it's not the same. Yeah, the I, I do the same thing when I travel. I don't smell as good. That's a real. I, you know, that's a real drawback. 
strangers of supermarkets are. We know how sensitive the Swiss are to scents as well. And so you really miss an opportunity to further your brand by having great scents on the Swiss Alps. So yeah, of course, you know, we are... Our ongoing sponsorship with Barrister and Man uh, is is awesome. We love working with Will. We love his ongoing fleet of seasonal scents and regular scents. And Stanislav, I'm glad that you're able to come home and enjoy your your closet full of Barrister and Man pl- products. Oh, let me tell you, nothing feels better after an eight hour flight than using some sweet Barrister and Man soap to wash plane off of you do you still like the the what is that inky the inky soap the lava nil yes yes it's the lava nil lava nil so anyway um you could go over to paris Man's website be n and you can see all the latest seasonal products the regular stuff there's tons of reviews on there which i think is really good for helping you find what kind of people find popular and what kind of the the zeitgeist of the time is yeah, and the other thing is, if you've bought some Barrister and Man, leave a review. Oh, it's a good idea. Help Will out. If you've liked the product, reviews are a huge part of how people trust products that they find on online. So leave leave a note if, you, if you've enjoyed it. We'd appreciate it. Will would that. too. So yeah, if you want to get 15% off your first order, use code THEDIVEDOWN15. 15% off the dive down 15 uh, at Barrister and Man. Let's will know that you came through us and we appreciate it. All right, David, I talked a lot about modern. We all talked a lot about modern, but you know, I had to talk a little bit more because I wrote that part. And you wrote this part, the Pioneer 5K trial. So I'd love for you to take the mic out of my hands. You bet. All right. So following the modern 10K was the Pioneer uh, 5K. It was on Sunday. It had 200 people in it. That was capped for that is my understanding. And uh, what we're going to do, you know, I've already talked about don't screw around with your deck names, please. So we don't have to go through that part of my notes. But, you know, I think that it was really interesting. There's a lot of different stuff going on here. So I'm going to talk about a couple of different metrics. I'm going to talk about MetaShare. I'm going to talk about win rates a little bit. I'm also going to talk about the average number of points per pilot of each deck, because I think that's an interesting metric to see a kind of a conjunction with win rates now and again, since they slightly diverge sometimes. Um, but the first thing I want to do is just go through what meta there was at Pioneer, you know, given the bans that just happened with Winota going and Expressive Iteration going, those were some huge things. Uh, by the way, Expressive Iteration is another card that I think people could start talking about in Modern if we want to take Four Color down, but that's for another time. No, um, no. You can think what no. you think. You can think. I know I don't want to lose it either, but um, I also didn't want to lose it in Pioneer. Oh, my God. I, I'm just going to say I would be so so devastated if they like first of all not every four color deck is playing expressive iteration just like period if they were to get rid of iteration to deal with four color and try to like splash hate a little bit of murktide i'm gonna lose my mind so here's what the meta looked like in pioneer number one deck of the weekend i don't think surprised too many people although it's a deck that wasn't really around three weeks ago mono green devotion 12 percent of the meta 24 decks second in the meta 
you know it, you love it. We talked about it for an awkwardly long amount of time last week. Rakdos mid-range, 16 decks, 8% of the meta, followed by Is It Phoenix with 8% of the meta as well, and Azorius Control with 8% of the meta as well. So I went through all 200 decks, by the way, and like corrected some deck names and things like that. Some of the graphics you've seen floating around actually undercount the number of Monogreen Devotion, the number of Rakdos mid-range. They're, they're, those both were a little higher than, than we thought originally. After that, in sixth, uh, fifth place, actually, Mono Red Aggro with 15 decks, 7.5% of the meta, and Lotus Breach with 15 decks, 7.5% of the meta. Lotus Breach in particular was extremely undercounted in the, the names that were on MTG Melee. There were a number of decks that were just Lotus Field decks that were called four-color combo or five-color combo that w wouldn't show up if you just looked at what they had there. I think there was at least five that I changed the names from so uh, there was a lot of lotus breach floating around lotus i don't even know why it's called lotus breach anymore though it's just lotus field after that with 11 decks mono blue spirits that's 5.5 percent of the meta and boros aggro boris feather featherless feather whatever you want to call it that's your heroic deck essentially five and a half percent of the meta after that it gets a little bit more diffuse we had esper combo with seven decks at three and a half percent of the meta and then is it prowess with three percent six decks within the meta i'm gonna stop right there those are your top uh top 10 decks essentially in the meta so let's talk a minute about any reactions people have to that particular meta breakdown before we get into how they performed and, and things like that what do you guys think besides lotus field being you know such a high percentage of the meta game it's kind of what i would expect honestly from a from a paper event or just any event really where it's just like hey uh, I can. Um, there's the, the big devotion deck. There's a mid range deck. There's a control deck. There's you know Phoenix and aggro and combo and uh, tempo and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of the cross section of that I would expect. The only thing that I think is missing that I might have expected a little bit more is maybe Nivnizit. I think maybe people would bring that to go over the top of like the mid range meta, or maybe they didn't have time to prepare or just didn't want to play that style of deck or maybe like a little bit more, I guess we have the bunch of Azorius control. So that's, I think this is pioneer, nothing that's blowing my mind. And I think it actually follows the list on goldfish pretty closely at this point. Really? It's actually very close to what goldfish has. No, any thoughts? Really. Is it Phoenix is higher than it is on Goldfish, supposedly, but I wouldn't be surprised if Goldfish is wrong on that. What's your thoughts, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I, I would even say that I'm not surprised that Mono Green was the most represented deck because that was going to be my vote for the new best deck in the format post Winota. Yeah. Well, well, well and I think most people agree with that, and let's see how the results bore it out. Yeah. Because uh, I do think that's the deck we should start with. So, Mono Green Devotion had um, a 57% win rate. Now, this one is not... I couldn't calculate the win rate on my my own after I corrected the names. So this is the kind of like uncorrected names, but they're, they're close enough as far as win rate goes. But also it had 11.3 points per pilot, basically. That was one of the top decks in my sample. It was within the top five of, of the... It was the top half of performance of those top 10 decks, for sure. It was a huge amount of the meta, of course. There was one in the top eight, four in the top 32, and 11 mono green devotion decks in the top 64. It had a giant weekend, I think. I don't think there's any other way to look at it. It was the highest win rate in Pioneer out of the major decks, basically. Yeah. It's a good deck. 
I, I feel like it's attackable. Like, I think this is like people going into the tournament and saying, I'm expecting a lot of Rakdos and I'm expecting a lot of mid range, perhaps. And I'm just going to go over the top and, and with my mono green devotion deck. I think that's smart. I think it just has a raw power level against a lot of decks. But I think that. You know, there's there's decks that I think are popular that have good game against it, like Mono Blue Spirits. Like I despise playing against Mono Blue as Mono Green deck. I think Niv can pretty easily go over the top of a deck like this. I think other combo decks can be faster than it while it's setting itself up, and it really only has like Karn to stop some particular combo strategies. So you, know, you can draw into that or get it on the battlefield pretty well, right? But it's not ultimately ultra-reliable uh, to always have Karn as like your one and only sort of piece of interaction or, or locking things down. Like it's a pretty simple deck, right? Like this is not, this is not a deck that is doing tricky things. It's just saying I can, I can do more than you're doing with the same amount of permanence and the same amount of time. Yeah. I think you pointed out kind of like an interesting new rock, paper, scissors that sort of emerges with mono green climbing up the, the chain here, which is that, Spirits is pretty good against Mono Green. Devotion is pretty good against Rakdos. And then Rakdos is kind of okay against Spirits, I think. But there's this kind of like triangle going on there where there's these this one deck that wasn't too popular because of Winota and Mono Green. Another deck that was a little bit on the outskirts in Spirits, but it was starting to have some individual performances, but a, a lot of performance this weekend. And then Rakdos sort of maintaining that position as the, the mid-range deck, even though it might struggle with a big mana deck like this here and there. Um, I will say one thing that's interesting that I didn't mention off the top is that with one or two exceptions, these top 10 decks all were above 50% in in their, their performance in the win rate. And so not only are these decks the decks that you would expect to be at the top of the metagame here, they're also performing like they're worthy of, of having as much play as they are. I'll get to the surprise in a little bit when we get there. Cool. Uh, next next deck on the list, Rakdos Midrange. 11.1875 points per pilot and a 53% win rate uh, for 8% of the metagame. I heard that there was a lot of this in the top tables as we got towards game uh, towards the end of the the tournament. And I think that, you know, it bears out a little bit where it was there's two in the top 8. Uh, there's four in the top 32. I think the finals was a mirror match between Rakdos Midrange. There was uh, six in the top 64, and 11 of the 16 decks, people that played Rakdos Midrange, finished in the top 100 of the meta here. Um, so I think that our original hypothesis from last week that maybe Rakdos wouldn't be that good with Winota gone is, is maybe borne out to be not really coming true since it had a pretty good weekend. I mean, like you said, it's probably not good against Mono Green, but it seems like it's working out well against other decks in the format still, at least enough to hang for, for this week. Yeah, I mean it's still a it's still a solid mid-range deck, right? And like I don't think 53.5% win rate is is something outrageous. It's just like it's doing mid-range deck things where with enough representation it can you know it can hang against a lot of different stuff. Agreed. All right, the next deck in MetaShare was uh Is it Phoenix? Is it Phoenix only had a 51% win rate and only had 9.6 points per per pilot basically. That was Pretty normal. Oh, sorry. I, for some reason, I just said during Rakdos that the top two finishers were Rakdos. They're not. Uh, the, the event was won by Phoenix, actually. But there was only one in the top, top eight, two in the top 32, and four in the top 64. 
Phoenix trying to figure out what to do. Now it's an average performance. I think it's just over 50%. I don't think that if I looked at the other decks and where they fell, it felt like this was really compelling right now overall. There were a lot of different builds as I sort of perused the different lists that there were in these 16. There were some with Ledger Shredder, some with Thing in the Ice, some with Phoenix Shredder and Thing in the Ice, some with only two of those three, some with Sprite Dragon, some with 12 creatures, some with eight, Crackling Drake, all kinds of different stuff going on with Phoenix. And then lots of different people trying to figure out what to do with the uh, expressive iteration slot as well. There's, I don't think there's any real consensus on what should fill that. The first place list happened to have four strategic planning and what I think was the that slot, which is a card that you remember people used to like in Phoenix sometimes because it lets you fill your graveyard pretty easily. Um, some had Shard of Course, some had Is It Charm. I think that this deck is clearly in flux, but it does seem like it can and will continue to exist without expressive iteration. It just probably had, you know, a good amount of its uh, consistency and power kind of catch up, taken off of it. Stan, do you have any quick thoughts about Phoenix of recent, or have you been not too connected with it lately? Not too connected, but I, I have a feeling strategic planning is just a short-term solution. Yeah. Just because it was often the worst card in that slot. Um, and I can see like that slot maybe not being filled by a single four of, but maybe just being diversified a little bit with other really good instants and sorceries or even another threat or two that can kind of help pick up the pace for what expressive iteration left behind. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing between Expressive Iteration, Phoenix in the original part of Pioneer and now is sort of like everybody knew when Expressive Iteration came out that it was going to go in that deck. Before Strixhaven, you know, there was a lot of people trying to figure out, am I going to play Thrill of Possibility? Am I going to play Charter Course? Am I going to play Strategic Planning? There was all this stuff that went around it, and two things happened. One is there was Iteration, and then also Galvatic... Um, What's that card called? Galvanic, Inter Galvanic Iteration. Iteration yeah. mm -hmm. That card came out as well and then brought Temporal Trespass into the deck, and that wasn't really a part of Phoenix before then either. And so there are somewhat less spell slots to be figured out in it than there used to be in the deck, like maybe you know when Pioneer first started. So I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, Stan, if it becomes kind of like a utility slot, but not one card kind of thing instead of being a for sure four of. And I think there's a lot of people trying to figure that out. Uh, the next deck in the meta list, Azorius Control. Uh, similar results to Phoenix with around nine points, a little over nine points per pilot at a 52% win rate. This also had a really average performance in my mind. You know, it had the highest finish was in 18th place. There were two in the top 32, seven in the top 100. That's okay, generally speaking. But the decks look really stable to me. I didn't see a lot of new tech or anything like that in these. Kind of once we had March of Otherworldly Light, that kind of seems like the last cards that kind of made it into this deck right now. I will say, one of the highest performing decks of the weekend, and I'm going to take this moment to talk about it since it's kind of a rogue list, was a different blue base control deck. It was Esper Control piloted by, uh, apparently designed and put together by Raja Sulaiman, who came in eighth, uh, at least in the Swiss, came in eighth. And then Zach Allen also played it. Um, I think they both played, uh, our Michigan folks also played it and also made a top eight. So Zach Allen actually made back-to-back -back top eights <laughs> this weekend, which is kind of incredible. But even the fact that, that 
you know, Zach got to do it playing one of his favorite archetypes, which is, is, uh, which is Esper control, uh, is really saying something, um, you know, that deck had a 64% win rate. There were only four pilots on it. There were two in the top eights and, um, it was, it seemed like a, a reasonable deck, you know, it had vanishing verse, it had void rend in it. It had access to thought seas and stuff like that. So it was a much more kind of diverse kind of control list, but, um, you know, it definitely had a lot better weekend than uh, Azoria's control did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Azoria's control is like, it's also in a shifting metagame too, right? Where it's like, yeah. you know, we, we just axed one major pillar of it and like sort of a sub pillar. And then I think it's going to have to figure itself out, right? Yeah. I mean, I also think that it's possible that the black cards, you know, Void Rend and, um, Vanishing verse are just better against stuff like stuff like Monogreen Devotion, you know, those kind of things than Azoria's control can be at the moment because, you know, they have a hard time with resolved planeswalkers still to an extent. Okay, next on the list, mono red aggro. So a couple of different builds of this. It was a 53% win rate, seven and a half percent of the meta. This is in that kind of like average but not outstanding performance bracket couple of different builds that I pulled together. There's the more burn-based builds. There's the ones that have Torbrin in them. There's the ones that have Chandra Dress to Kill. They're close, similar-ish, the same deck. Pretty good performance, but um, it really didn't have the high-level performance. It had zero in the top eight, zero in the top 16, four in the top 32, and seven in the top 64 of the pilots that brought it. You know, I think it's a good deck, but yeah, there's certainly... A couple of other aggressive choices that we're going to talk about next that had much better results. Yes, Shane, yes, Dan mentioned this like I think a few episodes ago, where it's just like, what is compelling me to play this when I get outclassed by on the board in this format much more than I might in something like Modern Burn, which is also, of course, not great as we've seen, but at least you have the ability to be like, I'm going to play a bunch of you know goblin guides and then burn you out. And in this, you're like, I'm going to play some prowess creatures, and then you're going to play a 4-4, and I'm going to be sad about it. Right, right. I, I do wonder if the Winota ban helps clear the way for Monored a little bit, just because that's one less deck that's heavily board-based that's just going to play like 4-4s that this it doesn't have to run up against. Also, yeah. that was a, that that one had like a really explosive finish. Sometimes it's early as turn three, and like if the format's going longer, this deck remains unchanged. Like it could eventually like even cobble together a, a burn win off the back of like all its cards and some Chandras. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I will note that this deck had a better finish than or better overall performance than like Is It Phoenix did with a similar amount of the the meta share and also better than Azorius Control did. So it's not. It's not at the bottom of this top tier of the meta, but I, I do think that there are better aggressive choices that bring a little bit more to the table. And um, they're decks that I like, so let's talk about them. So the next deck on the meta share is Boros Heroic, which had an oh, average yeah. of 12 points, 12 and a half-ish points per pilot for about a 56% yeah, win rate. Great. It was a 5.5% of the meta, uh, there was zero in the top eight, one in the top 16, three in the top 32, six in the top 64. There's a lot of variations in this deck as far as the creature suite goes. You know, I've seen things where, you know, we're, we're running 
10th district. We're not running 10th district. We're running two 10th districts. We're running one Solskar maze. Like if you look at Zach Dubin, who came in 13th on Boros Agro, that list has four Arcanists, four Hoplite, four Illuminator Virtuoso, four Swiss Spear, one Solskar Mage, two 10th district Legionnaires. No feathers at all in this deck. Many of the other decks have feather, some main, some side. Uh, so I think that there's a lot of different options for crafting and kind of metagaming depending on what you think you're going to be facing with this particular deck just with the creature suite um on the spell side i think that the spells are pretty well settled in in this deck at this point you know and they're all kind of bad you know what i mean like they're the bad <laughs> pumpy synergy spells that you need to make this these heroic decks work they're your cantrips like like defiant strike and ancestral anger they're your removal that you get to play in this deck that not many other people get to play in reckless rage you have homestead courage which is a card that i think is cool because it's got flashback for cheap and puts a counter on things so you can get two spell triggers you can use it later to restart a hard turn uh, you've got invigorator rampage which is a good card for doing some tricksy stuff and that's kind of where it is as far as what you have um i think like the flashback spells are perhaps underappreciated in this deck right now because the when i lose uh playing this uh, versions of this deck on a on arena and explorer it's because like i just run out of cards like I, I get like one spell and like four creatures and i just really can't get enough out of my cards and i feel like any ability to get double value off of your cards like we know how good like a lava dart is in in modern right so being able to recreate that uh, a little bit as much as possible i think is something that i want to be experimenting with more and i think is a really good idea in these strategies yeah yeah, I agree. I mean, I really enjoy playing this deck. You know, I was glad to see that other people are picking up that it has some some kind of like kinks being worked out still. But I, I think it's a really good, fun deck to play. It's not crazy expensive, I don't think, to to buy. And so I think it's a good aggro deck for now in um in Pioneer. However, I do think that there's there is one deck that actually did better. <laughs> in this tier and that is maybe it's an aggro deck i think it's probably really a tempo deck and that is mono blue spirits which was also 5.5 percent of the meta it had slightly less wins per pilot somehow but it had a 59 percent uh win rate overall and there was one in the top eight three in the top 16 and five in the top 32 that is a lot of spirits at the top of the, the meta and i think that you know it doesn't really have any new tech since the last time we talked this deck list is extremely settled i think you know sometimes people like to run icon of ancestry in this deck i feel like a lot of the the list that i saw for this did not do that i'm going to take a quick look at the lists that are uh came in third place and ninth place from carly peterson and tyler clark and no they're not they're not running icon anymore stuff like that it's just great spells all your disruption and then the creatures suite that you've all we've all come to know and love in mono blue spirits but i think this deck is working really well right now why do you think this deck is still doing better than banter azorius simplicity maybe i think i mean it's just like you always you know there's a couple of things. One, you can play all of your Snowlands, so you get access to Faceless Haven, right? That's like a mm -hmm. benefit. Uh, huge, I, think. I think it's a huge benefit. And then I think it's just really clean and reliable, right? Where it's like, I always have the mana I need, um, and there's a lot to be said for that, I think. But I think Faceless Haven is just is an extremely good creature land. So what? I'm taking a quick look to find a Bant list. There are some Bant lists that were in this 
deck, I am going to say the main reason that this deck is good, there's a couple. One is you don't get to run Curious Obsession in Bant. So I'm looking at the 152nd place Justin Lauka Bant Spirits list right now. So Bant Spirits is a collected company deck, right? Mm -hmm. And it Mm -hmm. is much more all in on the Lord's plan. The Lord's and pumping instant speed you've got spell queller you've got skyclave apparition but you don't have the same type of disruption that mono blue has with geist light snare and lofty denial and spell pierce and those kind of things like you're just not running those cards as much because you need to keep your creature count up so that coco is good and so but, i but think you have that, a different type of disruption right like your disruption is spell queller and and that's it protection and like protection right where you're like pseudo countering opponents removal by giving your your creatures instant speed hexproof. Yeah, but you do that in in mono blue spirits too cuz you also you run rattle chains in mono blue spirits as well. Sure. So I I th- I just think that those disruption elements like the cheap counter spells that are uh, can be used against a lot of different cards help its matchup be good against mono green devotion yeah, which so was good. the deck at the top of the meta. And also, I just think it's a better plan for this kind of thing for Pioneer right now, because it's just like, you know, it's really hard for, for example, like, you go up against Greasefang on Bant Spirits, and you're kind of like, okay, I guess I can try to flood the board, but they're probably going to kill me unless I can Skyclave Apparition their, their Greasefang. Whereas with Mono Blue Spirits, it's probably not the best matchup in the world, but you can have that proactive disruption to stop their um, you can stop their discard spell, you can lift their other things. So yeah, you're, you're leaning a lot less on spell queller as like your primary backbone of like your instant speed interaction and like maybe some sideboard cards. You're just saying like, hey, I have I have counter spells and like you know huge mana leaks that can be cast as cheaply as one mana. If you you know you you line your your permanence just right, so yeah, and I think it's those th- two things together that make it better. Yeah, but that's kind of the end of of the the top end of the meta. Like I said, all those decks had pretty good win rates. Um, there were a few surprises. The decks that did not well. So Lotus combo, like we said, had fifteen pilots by my count when I was looking through. Uh, 4.8 points per pilot for a 34% win win rate. It's one of the lowest uh, lowest win percentages, definitely the lowest of the top eight meta decks. And it was a lot of people brought it, and I think it just did really, really badly. The highest finisher was in 55th place. That person's record was only 5-3. and three. Only two of those Lotus Field decks finished in the top 100. Um, the 55th place one was the only one with a positive record at the end of the day, so it was just brutal. I, I don't know why this deck would be bad at this point in particular, but it didn't seem to be a fit for what was going on this weekend at all. Maybe because it's always bad. <laughs> you know, it's interesting though. It, you know, if you, it's, it's always listed as the top like fourth or fifth deck, not from win rate, but just from meta share on magic on goldfish in this tournament. It was the sixth most played deck. So people are still bringing it out, but I also heard that a lot of people had Damping Sphere. So maybe mm-hmm. just having da- access to Damping Sphere from Mono Green Devotion, from Sideboard, from Karn, you know, that's a huge problem. Yeah. I think there's just lots of disruption that's just good against it right now. Yeah. Okay, another deck that didn't do great Grease Fang. Mm. Mm-hmm. Three different versions mm. of Grease Fang Mardu, Abs- Abzan, and Esper. It's 6.5% of the meta if you count out all these decks together. Okay. Uh, I know that there are more than one deck. But um, that's that's just how I'm thinking about it. 
there, none of them had great points. Um, the Obzon one seemed to have the best win rates. The uh, Mardu and, Obz and Esper versions had lower than 50% win rates. Obzon had a 50% win rate, so there wasn't a good showing from any of them at all. And then the last one that I was looking at that I was hoping would be good was Other Is It decks, and those seem to have really cratered in some ways. Oh. Yeah. Look at all that is massacre, it, my boy. I know. Is it Prowess? You know, down at 50%, it's not that much lower than some of the other decks that, that I talked about as having okay weekends, but it, um, you know, there wasn't any high, high level finishes out of it that I recall seeing. It certainly wasn't close to the top. Uh, it wasn't close to the top 16 either. Is it Control? Also had a worse go. Is it Control was the 11th most played deck. There were five people who played it, and it had a 15% win rate. 15% oh, this wow. weekend. Percent. Yeah. Win rate. Percent. 15% win That's rate. Poor. I think that means, yeah, it's not It's not good. Okay. I have thoughts. <laughs> okay. Give me your thoughts, Stanislav. This was definitely the thing I was most scared of when I heard about the Expressive Iteration ban um, when I got news 4,000 miles away. Just because I, I I like just spent a bunch of money on borderless storm carved coasts and lava glide pathways, and now I don't know where to put them. I I did look at some of the is it control lists, and I'm not sure if it's being built right for this new metagame because I actually think it still has really powerful pieces for Pioneer, and it's not that expressive iteration was the most important card in that deck. Right, because like the the core of that deck was the power of Narset and Thing in the Ice and a suite of spells surrounding it, and I don't think you can just replace Expressive Iteration with, you know, a bunch of Quickens, which is something I was seeing, or Quicken, uh, Quicken. Wow. Okay. You know what I mean? It's like I don't think it's just that simple, because um, it still gets to run Treasure Cruise as well, and just like a whole bunch of good red removal spells. I think part of the problem for, for this tournament might also be that there was enough mono green to keep this deck down because mono green is, is a really good matchup against Izzet in my experience. It's just so hard. Like, unless you have like a couple thing in the ice is down and all of the cantrips, it's just really hard to get ahead and stay ahead. And Narset isn't especially good against it. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I think that if that's the case, it's going to be a tough go for a little bit until there's a way to fix the deck to be good against mono green somehow. If, if there is a way to do it, because right, right. Um, that, I don't think that deck's going anywhere for a little while. Uh, we'll see if it gets out of hand, but I, I don't think it's, it's coming. Uh, Stan, I guess you could put them in. Is it Phoenix? If you wanted to that, that deck runs Stormcraft Coast and <laughs> and Riverglide Pathway both. That sounds but, uh, miserable. That sounds miserable. Yeah. Just play, just play prowess, make it better. Sell them to me. I, I was just about to buy all those. So Let's talk. Yeah. No, I, I think I'd rather just try to figure out how to make Narset work, but yeah, like the, the man is so good. Narset is good. Like, I think there's, there's still some stuff to do here, but uh, that's okay. I would rather play mono blue spirits anyway. So let's talk about the top eight really quickly. Um, I had mentioned earlier that Rakdos midrange did well in the Swiss. That's what my notes meant when I said they did the best two best uh, because they were the two best finishers in the Swiss. Uh, the first two decks, Sean Ryder on Rakdos mid range, Larry Fields on, on Rakdos mid range. We had Jeffrey Carr on a deck that was listed as Rakdos combo. What that really is, is Rakdos uh, tokens, essentially Rack sacrifice 
with four Obnixilis. So we did have a deck that brought Obnixilis into the top of the into the top of the metagame like this. Um, not in a mid-range deck, as we talked about before, is probably being the right way to do it. Uh, Carly Peterson on Mono Blue Spirits. Just a, a great stock list. The only thing that's a little bit different here is there's some extra spells in this one. Two spell peers, two lofty denial, in addition to your Geist Snare. You don't always see the lofty denials main anymore, but I think they're very good. Raja Suleiman at uh, on Esper Control and Zach Allen on Esper Control in fifth and sixth places. We talked about Kyle Gonzalez, Mono Green Devotion, and Scott Pulera on Is It Phoenix. What do we think about this top eight? Sweet. I mean, the Esper Control come on out of nowhere. I mean, Zach Allen's an extremely good player. Uh, and I've heard, you know, Raja, I've heard that name as well. Uh, I, I know that people, Larry Fields has a lot of icons by his name on, on this, this MTG melee. So they have, they have a Patreon and a, tw- and a Twitch and a thing. So I think that they're involved in the game pretty deeply. We had some good players perform well with some, uh, some interesting and solid decks, I think. Yep, absolutely. Is it Phoenix was the winner Ooh. here? Yeah, even though they just kind of snuck in at 6-1-1 one, and one into the top eight, they played a pretty tough bracket. Their opponent match win percentage was 71% My goodness. coming into it, which is, so they played against a lot of good players. Um, but yeah, Scott won with Is It Phoenix. Um, I, I mean, I think it's good to see that the deck, like I said, when we talked about it earlier, wasn't completely destroyed by the loss of expressive iteration. So uh, glad to see it in a little bit. And uh, I think that that is Pioneer. Sweet. I feel like, man, I don't know. We've talked about Pioneer a good amount recently. And it's like, I feel like you have to be in the mood for Pioneer. You know what I mean? Like, as as a modern-focused podcast, like, I feel like I look at this and I'm like... I really have to be in the mood to do like some, some interaction, some creature playing and, and kind of see what happens and hope I outvalue my opponent and, and get there or have enough counter magic with my mono blue deck or something like that. And, and it can be fun for sure. But I like, you know, looking at this, I feel like we're the, the, the shifts are happening. I think that what I'm most excited about is seeing what happens in the weeks to come as the Winota and expressive iteration changes to the, to the metagame continue to solidify and we see what happens. And we saw that kind of happen pretty early on in pioneer where it's like, you know, the, I, I reference this a lot, like the, the big red into Niv Mizzet kind of evolution, right? Where it's like, we're just going to go over the top of each other and see what happens. And I'm curious what happens in the, the weeks to come here as especially we get more people just playing the format and playing the format in paper. And I'm sure we'll get some uh, PTQ type events where we'll, we'll see those, the qualifying events, and we'll have people playing Pioneer more there. And I'm, I'm hyped, but sometimes it looks a little bit boring. <laughs> it's like I want to cast some cool rhinos. I want to. I want to cascade into into suspense spells, please. When really, what's going to happen is you're going to play a 45 minute game one against four color blink. Yeah, and then not be happy about it, right? And concede because I I quickly concede to control decks more than I should. Exactly. So nerd rage, thank you for running these events. We appreciate it. We'll be keeping an eye on these going forward because uh, I think they're a really good level of paper play. Congrats to all the members of the nation who did well and friends of the yeah, pod. Jesse, Cora, Daryl, keep doing what you're doing. 
And Zach yeah. too, but we don't know Zach as well as we know the other three. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, what's funny, Dave, is we came into this episode being like, we're going to do a fast one. It's an hour, 40 minutes. It's fast for it's, us. It's, it's still 30%, 30% less. Yeah. So thanks. Yeah. Thanks energy for, for, you know, working with us. It's, it was cool to see the, you know, the promotion there and, and we're more than happy to cover these. We're going to cover it either way. So I'm, I'm glad, glad that we're, we're, uh, we're working together a little bit. Yeah. And I hope to go to some of these. There's an event in Mundelein at the end of July that I would like to go to, f- to be my first larger paper tournament since Dallas, basically. Hmm. Hmm. I might try to make it to that as well. We'll see. Chicagoland, baby. That's right. All right. Well, that does wrap up our slightly shorter episode of the dive down. We shaved about 20 minutes. Impressive. We got there. <laughs> yeah. I said it was 30%. It's actually 16%. Sorry. Yeah, that was, that was generous. I think we're going to keep trying to shave time off of the show for, for our own sake, but we'll see how, how well we are, we go about doing we love that. Talking. It's hard. It's hard. The three of us have a lot to say to one another. All right. That does wrap up this week's show. If you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to our podcast, get the latest episodes as soon as they come out. If you use Apple, you can leave us a rating and review. If you use Spotify, just a rating will do. If you'd like to submit a question to our podcast or reach out, you can tweet us at the dive down all one word. You can even email the dive down at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the show, you can join our Patreon over at patreon.com slash the dive down. You can also support us while playing magic with a mana trader subscription. Use promo code the dive down 15, all one word, get 15% off your first two months of renting magic online cards. You can pretty much play all of pioneer with a mid tier mana trader subscription. We recommend it highly Modern, a little tougher. Got to spend more money, but that's how it goes with bigger formats. You can also support us with some of your shaving and personal care needs. Thanks to our friends at Barrister and Man. Use promo code THEDIVEDOWN15 to get 15% off your first order over at barristerandman.com. Barrister and Man, you're going to like the way you smell. I am certain of it. You should trademark that. I'm working on trademarks next. As always, special thanks to the bands Nowhere and Spaceblood for letting us use their music. And until next week, get out there and get four color band.